The following program contains the names and voices of those who have passed. Welcome to Speaking Out. Mainly discussing land rights and economic empowerment. Aboriginal enterprises in mining, exploration and energy. Talk a little bit about uh, Indigenous constitutional recognition. With Larissa Berendt. It's a fresh view coming on ABC Radio. Our reporters were out there on the ground, very face-to-face, very much at that community level, and that's what I love about Away. You know, the artists that came on this program and our guests were major stars, but when we talked to them, we were still sitting in their communities that they belong to, and just because of their success doesn't mean they're a less community person. 30 years of Indigenous arts and culture on Away. This is Speaking Out. I'm Larissa Berendt. Over the past few decades, First Nations representation within the Australian media landscape has been steadily on the rise. In 1993, a decision was made to add an Indigenous arts and culture program to the Radio National Broadcast Schedule. The goal was to reflect the depth, diversity and vitality of Indigenous culture through the arts, something the program continues to do today. But it's really easy to forget what the media landscape looked like before it started. Before we had NITV, before we had strategies to put sustained focus on Indigenous arts and culture, Away was doing that work for a really long time. Not only has it been a long-standing and really important champion of Indigenous arts and culture, it has through its many years thrown up some amazing broadcasters as well. We can look at people like Lorena Allen and Daniel Browning, who really took the show to another level, and the program's current presenter, Rudy Bremer, who is doing a fantastic job. On Speaking Out this week, we celebrate Away's indelible legacy as told by those who know it best. Hello, I'm Ursula Raymond. Hello, Clayton Lewis here. Hello and welcome to Away. Welcome to Away, Indigenous Arts and Culture on RN. I'm Nancy Aguavara. My name's Lorena Allen. This is Away, across Australia on Radio National. Welcome to Away, Daniel Browning with you. Hi, my name's Rhoda Roberts from Bundjalung Country up there in the north and you're listening to Away on ABC Radio National. My goodness. So obviously I wasn't smoking in those days. Hi, my name's Rhoda Roberts and I'm from Bundjalung country up there in the north and you're listening to Away on ABC Radio National. Uh, So that was 1992 or 1993, Rhoda? I was a baby. You know, and I think it was just, yeah, I sound like I'm 16. Goodness. Do you remember making that recording for Away? I can remember at the time... Nearly every radio station was starting to do iDents. And so I do remember doing 8 Kin FM for Karma Radio and, you know, Radio Redfern and Bama Bipra and various others. So I think it was a real trend at that time. But uh, I sound very excited, which is good. You do. And then, of course, a few years later, really, you would then go on to become one of the presenters of Away. And that would never have even crossed my mind because in the early 90s 
I just finished a film actually with David Goldpool until the end of the world. And there was Ernie, Uncle Jimmy Little, Kylie Belling, Justine Saunders. It was fantastic. Bart Willoughby. It was amazing. And so I had quite a focus on being an actor. I've been trying to kind of reflect on the role that Away has had in the development of the art sector and particularly First Nations art. I mean, you, you're you someone who has had an extensive career in black arts. Away's marking 30 years. What role do you think that we're playing? I think what Away did, and particularly when we think, one, it's an Arunta name, I think we were shaping a new narrative We're actually hearing stories and our guests were very comfortable in the studio. They were familiar with people. Our reporters were out there on the ground, very face-to-face, very much at that community level and that's what I love about Away. You know, the artists that came on this program and our guests were major stars But when we talked to them, we were still sitting in their communities that they belong to. And just because of their success doesn't mean they're a less community person. Who've been sort of some standouts for you? Of course, we've had major stars. I got the opportunity and having had worked with the late, great David Gopal, of course, and hearing his story. And when we look at the films he has done, oh, my goodness, And then you see the humour in Charlie's Country and that's what I love, blackfellas and humour. But I think also when I talk about our greats and our stars, I mean, everyone's a star, but I do reflect back on the number of elders and custodians we had who imparted such great knowledge but with such generosity and often at times their stories were very painful to hear. You'd be a bit teary. But the level of forgiveness they had is quite extraordinary and I don't know if I could ever achieve that if I'd had their lives. So it was a great platform as well to hear from our old people, to hear from those lived experiences and to grasp a story that you never never would have entered your mind. And I reflect on Auntie Joan Cooper and I met her in the Blue Mountains and she took me to the mission that she grew up on. Now, the labels that have been attached to her life was, oh, she's a Westie. Um, She's living in poverty. She's one of those Western suburbs. And in fact, this was her country. She'd never left her country. But some of the stories that she told, and of course, she grew up in the 30s on this mission in Western Sydney, the Blue Mountains, absolute poverty, but also the cultural elements that we'd never given any regard to the city were all there. They were just being unearthed. And she ended up writing a book to tell those stories, I think, which is a really important document because often people will come into city environments and just assume that there aren't those living stories still and we do need to hear them. And it certainly woke me up. But I think the great thing, I'd met Auntie Joan earlier. During the Olympics, we had the absolute pleasure of inviting 345-plus women from the APY lands and 21 communities, and they really wanted to come. So we brought them in a few days early and all the rest, and there was quite a group, particularly of some of the senior ladies, who wanted to go to the Blue Mountains. And so we took them there. 
and they sang up country. They called out. And, of course, we were taking them and Auntie Joan was the host. And the call back was quite extraordinary. It was the same song. Now, how did these APY women and this Darak woman know the same song? And the story was, un, well, the uh, Annie Joan thought about it and she said what she believed and what she'd been told was the song had always been there but when they saw the onslaught and what was occurring, they gave it, and obviously they must have had a song line or something like that to that country, so they gave it to that mob to keep it alive, to safeguard it. So when the time was right and the outlawing of languages had ceased, they could then bring the song back and sing it. So that's a pretty special story about Sydney. I've lived up here 57 years nearly, but I was born in Parramatta. I am belongs to the Barugal clan of the Darik Nation. I am the elder in the Blue Mountains. Most of my life has been here and I have been doing a lot of work for my people. So you're um, the great-granddaughter or one of the great-granddaughters of Maria and William Locke who are pretty significant to uh, the Darik people. My mum's mum is her daughter and she is the daughter of Yaramandi who was the son of Goombari. I've always known that but Since I've been married, I've just been finding out a lot more about my life. I know I'm Aboriginal because the feelings within my heart. You grew up in uh, Parramatta, didn't you? Yes, I went to Parramatta. I have a picture here from school in 1934. I went to Parramatta Public School and then to Parramatta Primary. But I didn't go to high school because Mum couldn't afford the money to buy my books or my uniform or anything with. And I did two days over at the domestic science school, just over Blackburn's Bridge, and then I left school altogether and I uh, went to work at Arnott's Biscuit Factory. My name is uh, Ryan Clapham. I go by the rap name Dobby. I'm a proud Filipino and Murawari hip-hop artist, producer, composer, person. I just want to give away a massive congratulations, a big whoop whoop to the 3-0. You've reached your 30th year, um, such an incredible program. I've been blessed to, to be on the show, um, to listen to the show and to be able to have conversations about the show. Big ups to the team, to the crew. And uh, yeah, let's wish for 30 more strong years. My name is Luke Carroll. I'm a proud First Nations man from the Wiradjuri Nation. Well, one of my favourite interviews on a way was... Uh, the late and great uncle Jack Charles, who I love immensely. I miss him immensely. Uh, one of our pioneers within the industry and his interview with Daniel Browning about bastardy. You know, uncle Jack, he was very candid in that, uh, very honest, open. He lived a very full life and he shared those stories. He didn't shy away from you know, the, the life he lived. Um, I, yeah, that was, st- st- sticks out for me. And I, yeah, like I said, I miss him greatly. My name is Cody Bedford. I'm a Jaru woman from the East Kimberley, a little desert girl, and I'm proud to be. I live on the East Coast, but I'm from the West Coast. I'm from the Kimberley. And hearing Word Up and the people that have been on Word Up, sometimes there's West Australians 
like Maine Wyatt, Shari Sevens, Tully Narkle, and just hearing them showcase, you know, those WA languages, it really makes me not only homesick, but it makes me really proud in my heart just hearing those uh, WA languages, languages that, you know, you don't hear over here that often unless there's mob over here. So happy birthday away, 30, young, deadly, everything. May you go for 30 more. My name's Craig T, formerly of a band called Nocturnal from Alice Springs. I'm from the Arana Mob and Bantaria Mapa. Uh, Nancy Guevara used to uh, host Away and she was a bit of a fan of Nocturnal and she'd come to our gigs and the first time we ever won a Deadly, which we didn't expect to do back in those days in the late 90s, we weren't staying in a very nice house, you know. So, you know, we went to the after party and, you know, we kind of, didn't go to sleep, partied all night, and then we had to come and do an early morning interview with Nancy, which was pretty interesting. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard to remember. It was so long ago, but, you know, we were young and uh, full of life. <laughs> I think a way is kind of like a, it's informative, but in a kind of a it's, a... it's not kind of rammed down your throat or, you know, it's really gently easing people into it and it's and it's relaxing to listen to i mean you hear the black cockatoos in the intro and you know we've got black cockatoos up you know the red tails back up home as well and it's it's like a good sign when you see them flying over i've seen them flying over here in in the central coast and everyone goes oh the black cockatoos are here so it's a bit it's a massive signal my name is daniel browning i've worked for the abc since 1994 and uh, for the vast majority of my time at the abc i was the producer and presenter of Away. From, uh, in, for a short, short burst in 1997 uh, and then came back in 2004 and kind of left the program in terms of being on air in 2021. What initially drew you to Away? Mm, can I be honest? Yeah. <laughs> the kind of pathways for Indigenous journalists within the ABC were kind of limited. I mean, there was a strong presence in news and current affairs, and I think that continues to be the case. Um, But in what we used to call programs, everything other than news, in terms of um, what the organisation broadcasts, there weren't that many pathways, and a way was one, speaking out being the other. Uh, And, I mean, I was also drawn to the breadth of subjects that we could cover. I mean, a way has this enormous brief on art and culture and you know as you know art and culture is really everything so there's nothing we can't talk about uh, on a way and I loved that freedom to really focus in on what makes us distinct uh, from every other people on the planet Um, our art and culture is distinctive highly distinctive unlike anything else in the world and increasingly identified as something that's uniquely Australian. There have been so many programs made over the years by, you know, incredibly gifted uh, communicators and broadcasters who've worked on the show. I mean, uh, Lorena Allen, you know, one of our best. Ursula Raymond, also incredible broadcaster. Um, people we've collaborated with over, with over the years also really, really talented people who've gone on to quite stellar careers. Um, 
you know, the, the programs we've, we've, we've presented have, have been, have kind of touched, you know, the core of what it, what it means to be a black fella. Uh, but some of the programs I most remember and the thing, the, the programs that have educated me without, um, without educating me in a way, you know, one I'm thinking of is uh, Bearing by Eugle, which Lorena Allen produced uh, in, the, in the community uh, in, on Bunjalung country in far northern New South Wales. By Eugle was a, a town very close to an asbestos mine. And uh, she went there and produced this extraordinary documentary, which still to this day uh, brings, just brings forth so much emotion and, 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 and really speaks to the conscience of the nation. It's in the voices of all the people she spoke to about, you know, the culpability of, of the asbestos miner who was mining asbestos there and the kind of scourge of asbestosis, you know, mesothelioma, killing people prematurely from all the fibres they were inhaling. Uh, yeah, that really, it really hit me. And, uh, you know, good programs do that. Because they used to come down with all the shiny bits of glass all over Shivers, like, like, like fine slivers of glass all over their clothes, eh, and in their hands and hair and in their nose, up in their ears and all that, you know. And that was that stuff going into us and we didn't know it was poison. I had 19 years and eight months or so in the mine. What did you used to do there? I used to do everything. Pick and shovel, truck driver. I ended up, the last ten years of my service up there, I was just former of the quarry, so I had up to uh, sometimes 30, 40 odd men under me. It was mainly, mainly run by Aboriginal people. When did they first tell you that asbestos was a dangerous substance to be dealing with? Well, oh, I couldn't say offhand. It was what made us aware of it. was one chap that uh, he's a very clean living man. He, was, he worked in the mine for about 32 years and Never drank or smoked in his life. He went for a swim one afternoon. He got sick that night. They raised him into the hospital. He died at 2 o'clock next morning. So they had an autopsy done on him. They found out that he had, had asbestos right throughout his body. You're listening to Speaking Out. It just comes down to showing, sharing, you know, respecting. The world from an Indigenous perspective on ABC Radio. This is Speaking Out on ABC Radio, Radio National, Radio Australia on podcast and the ABC Listen app. I'm Larissa Berendt. And if you like what you're hearing, why not rate us on your app? And that way other people can find us and hear our stories as well. For 30 years, our sister program Away has been bringing you Indigenous arts and culture on ABC RN. This week, we're taking a look back at the significance of the program, focusing on its role bringing Indigenous arts and culture to broader audiences. More on that shortly, but first, some music from Moju. Inside a suitcase Everywhere I ever been I never left no trace 
Wiradjuri artist Moju with Drive On. On Speaking Out this week, we're paying tribute to Away Indigenous Arts and Culture on Radio National. For 30 years, Away has been bringing you Indigenous Arts and Culture on ABCRN, and in that time, so many people have contributed to the show. You heard a little earlier from Rhoda Roberts and Daniel Browning, along with Clayton Lewis, Ursula Raymond and Nancy Guevara, to name just a few. They've shaped Away over the years. And now I want to reintroduce you to someone else who's been instrumental to the show. These days, Lorena Allam is the Indigenous Affairs Editor at The Guardian, but since 1994, she's worked as a producer and presenter of Away. Lorena was also the first editor of ABC Indigenous Radio. This program has really survived against the odds. There have been attempts over time to take it off the air. As you know, as well as I do, it's really hard to staff. You know, like it's a lot of work for one or two people to do um, in a in a big sea of non-Indigenous programming, it can feel very lonely. Um, but the fact that it's survived, I mean, the Word Up podcast that you guys do has reached so many people. So you can't measure the cultural value of something by, by um, you know, hits on a website. It's, it is a hidden gem, but um, it's been so important to launching so many careers. Lorena... What initially drew you to working on Away? I had, I'd left the ABC. I'd been at the Triple J and then I'd gone up to Darwin to help organise a big Indigenous youth conference and I was kind of floating around and then an EP got in touch and said, would you like to come and work in Radio National? Because I'd not worked here there. And um, do this show, Away. Um, and you'll be working with a, a producer called Ursula Raymond. I knew Ursula and I knew how much fun she was and I knew how deadly she was as a as a producer, an intelligent, articulate, clever woman. And I thought, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I could do that. I'll do that for 12 months and see how I go. And I ended up, I think I presented that show for about 14 years off and on. Yeah. What I liked about it was that it was an, at the time, this is in the mid 90s, it was an arts and culture program And at the time, what was really important was to be able to show that cultural renaissance that was happening in our communities. It was the beginning of Bangara. It was, there were so many Eastern seaboard artists starting out around that time, making really exciting, interesting art as individuals, as well as that blossoming of the collective art scene 
in around the art centres in you know at Mulka up in uh, Buku up in Irakala and the Central Desert uh, movement. So it was a really exciting time. Um, film, you know, language revival. There was a lot going on. Music. Um, and we were kind of in at the beginning, like we broadcast the Titter's first ever concert with Richard um, Franklin in Melbourne. You know, we recorded some of the first gigs that Archie and Ruby did. So I felt like we were in the beginning of something really exciting. Um, and so it was a great time to to work on the show, even though we had editors at the time going, are you sure you'll, you'll have enough to fill an hour a week? And we, <laughs> well, I think we showed that we did. Over always 30 years, there have been some incredible stories. Do you have a favourite? I have a couple of favourites. One of the ones that I always think of that I always come back to was a two-part series that Ursh did, Ursula did about the hand back of Uluru to Anangu in 1985. So that she'd made this two-part series in 1995 on the 10-year anniversary of the handback, and she spoke to traditional owners. She told this history of the handback from the perspective of Aboriginal people, and I kind of think it was the first time that was ever done. Listening to those old, those old men who are all passed away now, so I won't say their names, talking about the um, utter bastardry of the Territory Government of the time, trying to stop this from happening, how hard they had to work for this handback and what it meant to them. It was a two-part series and I, I still think about it now because it was just, there were some really beautiful moments in that, in that um, two-parter. I welcome the Governor-General this afternoon. He's able to come here today and uh, particularly all the uh, Aboriginal people has come right around Australia to see this ceremony at Ayers Rock. You, sir, for coming to this place to see the rock. By tomorrow, that rock will be missing. The Aboriginal people are going to take it away. <laughs> Today, we stand not merely in the centre of our continent, but at its very heart. We stand beside what has become one of our national symbols, what Aboriginal Australians know as Uluru and what the rest of it think of as Ayers Rock. For many Aboriginal people, this place has still deeper meaning and deep spiritual significance. It's a significance whose roots go back to time immemorial. And now, today, the Uluru Katachuta Aboriginal Land Trust acquires inalienable freehold title under Australian law to this place which is so special to its members. The second thing I remember was the one real attempt at protest that backfired, and that was a light aircraft that flew around and around and around the ceremony, towing this enormous banner which said, Airs Rock for All Australians. And that was actually meant to be a protest, but everybody, almost everyone there, thought it was part of the proceedings. 
because everybody looked up and saw this banner and said, yes, well, Ayers Rock for all Australians. That's right, we're all here. It is for all Australians. And indeed it was. I'm Larissa Berendt. I am the host of Speaking Out on ABC Radio and I am the Laureate Fellow at the Jambana Institute at UTS. It's obviously today one of the longest standing and most significant uh, Indigenous shows. It's earned that reputation and amongst all the other focus we have throughout the media on Indigenous culture and arts sort of stands with a very significant reputation. But I think it's really easy to look at it as one of many programs now and forget that actually when it started and through the years it's been going, it was actually an island that before we had NITV, before we had more strategies within the national broadcasters to focus on Indigenous arts and culture, Away was doing that work for a really, really long time. It's been significant because it's been a place where our culture and our creativity is celebrated by other First Nations people. It's been really consistent. So not only has it been a long-standing and really important champion of Aboriginal arts and of Aboriginal culture, it has, through its many years, thrown up some amazing broadcasters as well. So, um, you know, we can look at people like Lorena Allam who had a start there um, significantly in their time at the ABC. Uh, Daniel Browning, of course, really took the show to another level. And now we have Rudy Bremer who's doing um, her thing in terms of uh, the show. And I think that actually has been really important. It's about the capacity building of our uh, you know, of our mob in the broadcast sector. But it has also meant that there's just been a sort of each generation has brought their own view and a, a freshness to the show, which is why, you know, I think it's still so popular. I have to say, as the host of Speaking Out, people will often say to me, oh, I love your show. I listen to Away every week. And I have to say, yeah, I do too, but that's not my show. <laughs> Jingiwala, this is Melissa Lukashenko here. I'm a Bundjalung writer from Magunjan, Brisbane. And, uh, yeah, Away has been a big part of my creative life for decades and it's always such a pleasure to hear Brother Daniel's voice, you know, sounding like warm honey trickling over a, a granite rock beside a rainforest stream. I spend quite a lot of time on the road between Bundjalung country and Brisbane and, uh, yeah, it just always feels like a little corroboree every Saturday night when I flick the radio on and hear DB and you get to hear what's happening with mob all over the country. And, and not just to hear what's happening with mob but to know that you're in safe hands, that, that you're going to get a, a deeply thoughtful insight into blackfella arts and culture, you know, you're not going to get the superficial or the the kind of unconsciously racist take on things that you get in mainstream. You're actually going to get a thoughtful, deep appreciation of what artists are trying to do and things put in context by a, a consummate bunch of professionals. What I get from away is uh, this kind of 
arts criticism that's curious about us but not sceptical. It's not going to be going into, you know, silly debates about identity and stuff like that. It's an approach that's philosophical but it's not obscure. So interested in in those big ideas uh, but not talking about them in a way that's going to um, put blackfellas off. And the the cultural pride that shines through uh, is what I really love. You know, I remember being uh, out bush in the scenic rim area west of Brisbane a few years ago and hearing young uh, Evelyn Araluen, who she just won a, a major poetry prize. This is before she won the Stella. And uh, hearing Evelyn recite her poem when I was out there uh, in the middle of the scrub with the Milky Way up overhead and just hearing these two guru people talking about art and, and connecting in that, that really beautiful cultural way was, uh, was something that I think will always stay with me. Yeah, yeah, a way is deadly. I feel you first. Before you scintillate, I am coiled and sheathed. Fire out, dark blue, dark in and over this circle. You are watching me, but all my myths are misting, and I cannot meet your eyes with my eyes that are your eyes. But I am reminded so sharp and so sudden of my spine crawling beneath my pinprickle skin. I wait for you or the dark to swallow me whole. I find voice in shudders. What thunder I have caused to be heard by you. You must know how I have loved you and have traced your shape into my skies, even in unknowing, even in other place. No one has told me where to go and no one but you is here to meet me. Do not show me back my fear. Give me smoke and words, I am ready. Give me place and purpose, I am so very here and... Eyes open. Not here now. Nothing here now but shame. I walk long ways around darkness. No creak for door, no light for window. The stars are muddled and moving. I ache for blue eyes. I ache for Jirajira. I ache for the base of the mountain where I have slept for so long in dream of you. Where you came to make us in the wrestling ground of the gods. Where we shall curl together when the big waves come back for their rivers. and welcome back to Away. Thank you for having me. Congratulations. Thank you. The Naked Brophy. Yes, got it this time. Jingiwala. My name is Evelyn Araluen. I'm a poet, writer, researcher, editor. I'm a Bundjalung girl, but I was born and raised in Barrack country and now I live in Wurundjeri country in Nam. 
Uh, I've been listening to Away for many, many years now. Um, I used to listen to it on the radio driving to and from uni and now I listen to it constantly as a podcast when I'm walking my dog or on my way to work. Uh, so it feels like the show has been with me for a really long time as I've been growing up. I love the emphasis that the show has always placed on poetry and art, literature and all of the different ways in which we are constantly, continuously expressing our culture. It is something that I think shines a really beautiful spotlight on all of the incredible artistry that's going on in our community and really with an emphasis on what that actually means for black audiences. As an editor and a researcher, I've really often seen the way that black listeners and readers are kind of forgotten when we talk about um, our artistry and the kind of audiences of consumption for that. So what Daniel and Rudy have done with always shining an emphasis on, you know, on who's listening and, and what that artwork is for, it's a, it's a really incredible and powerful force uh, in the sort of dark pandemic months when I was in lockdown, I was listening to so many of Daniel's interviews with black poets like Ani Charmaine Paper Talk Green and Ani Janine Lane and talking about some of the beautiful anthologies and collected works of black writing that were coming out like Gawayu and Firefront. And it was actually something really motivating for me at the time. I was trying to finish writing my book Drop There and it was something really enriching to be able to hear not just from the other black poets that were out there, but also from the people who was, you know, who were reading that work and loving it and really letting it be a part of their universe. And that's just something that, you know, we forget how hard it can actually be to have that have that kind of emphasis and have that that work and that audience centered. So I love the show. I love what it does for our community. I love how it is always reflecting on our history as well and bringing that into the way that we're talking about our future and our current community. Um, you know, it's something that I hope is going to stay with us. We've had 30 years. I want 30 more and 30 more after that. So congratulations away and just can't wait to keep listening for forever. I think the program has always been adaptable and always has kind of been flexible enough to to wrap itself or attach itself to wider moves. And I would say that there's been enormous progression or advances and reverses in our fate as a people in that 30 years. Extraordinary uh, advances and reverses. And... I think Away has always been responsive to, to, to those changes, uh, deep cultural changes and sometimes, you know, ma uh, very um, cosmetic political ones. Do you think that there is sort of an inherent quality that makes for a good Away story? You know, I think the untold is for me the most compelling. That's just what drives me as a journalist, like what I don't know really fascinates me and there's a lot we don't know um but a story that uh, i mean i'm particularly driven by um untold stories from our collective past and what those stories from our collective past tell us about the present day but uh an interview that really moved me beyond moved me in a way that i have i have probably not been moved before um was an interview that I wasn't I wasn't expecting really. It was a an interview with two 
survivors of the Kinchler Boys' Home. It was a boys' home in Kempsey on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, uh, infamous, really. And, um, yeah, so this man, Richard Campbell, and um, a fellow former inmate of Kinchler, uh, Michael Welsh, known as Witty, just came and sat in front of me and their story unfolded in in a way that I wasn't anticipating and completely took the wind out of me uh, and left me speechless. I was eight-year-old, Daniel, when they grabbed me. Um, there were seven of us taken off my mother at the same time. I had a older brother. He was ten. Youngest brothers and sisters were six months old. So, you'll get this emotion coming out of me when I talk about these things because um, it takes me back, right back to 1960. Yeah, there were seven of us. We got, we got separated at Central Railway Station. Me and my eldest brother, Barry, at the time was ten. We went to Kitchener. Central... Here in Sydney. Essentially, yeah, that, that, that was a splitting point. You find out with most of them that come from uh, either, uh, well, definitely from the other side of the Blue Mountains. Um, now you just heard Richard uh, talk about where he's come from and I come from. There's uh, 600 kilometres difference between where he is and Ed straight out west and you'll land upon my land and my people's land. Do you remember that? Parting at Central Station? Oh, yeah. It, it, this is uh, why I get emotional about it. As an eight-year-old, I was uh, I was well aware. I, you know, I, I, I danced around the campfires with my around my grandfather's hat and around um, with, with my grannies and uncles. And my brother, i just got to mention this, that he was a 10-year-old and at the age of 10 in the Whalwin people's language culture, he was just about ready to become involved with the men business, and uh, and that so he's uh, it caused him even more problems. He passed away at forty three from uh, yeah that just uh, trauma, yep, a bad bad part of life. But um, yeah, Central Station is. Um, where they told us that uh, we were going on a train and uh, our brothers and sisters were going to come on the train behind us. But uh, I used to go cray fishing. I used to go pig catching, settle the horses up at my age before they took me. So what they were telling me, I knew that wasn't true. I didn't know what the word bullshit was, but that's what it was. Some people come to us with the story ready to be told. We're in this extraordinarily privileged position to be able to be in the presence of people who are sharing their story. That's what it's all about, right? Like, really, ultimately, what are we just, we're just opening a microphone to what is already there, amplifying that. Um, and we are the, always the least, the least interesting person in the room. That's absolutely true in, in the case of those two men who were extraordinarily vulnerable and self-aware, and in and had undergone extraordinary um, things that things that would have broken other people, and they were on the other side. They had made their way through, and but were still healing. And and it, yeah, their vulnerability really touched me, and I felt like there was a relationship 
and uh, when that happens, it's it can be quite magical. That ethos as us as presenters being sort of the the least interesting person in the story or in the room, it is sincerely the I think the best lesson that I have learned working with you. Mm. Um, it's what I'm glad you learned something. <laughs> Um, I, the, the second best lesson that I learned is that um, I do still have to put myself forward. Yeah, you know, in in there are moments when you have to, you shouldn't mute yourself, you shouldn't not be part of the conversation because people love to hear people engaging with each other. We have to always remember that radio is not just one voice, it's... Um, the music of of two or three or four voices and how these people interact with each other on air is part of the joy of radio, right? So, and how they correct each other and how they disagree and how they laugh together and that's part of our culture. That's us, really. That's our sense of relationality is what makes us who we are. We can't censor that, otherwise we're censoring ourselves as blackfellas and that's the last thing we should do. Proud citizen of the Murawara Republic and Nimba Nations. Sitting here by the Barwon River at the oldest human made structure in the world, our Nunu, our fish traps. The Away program just connects us all sharing arts and cultural programs from the past to the present and what we're planning to do in the future. Where would we be without connection that's so quick, like radio? It's a really important song line to share our our works, our dreams, our aspirations of storytelling to the world. From all of us at Mugland Performing Arts, we want to wish away a happy 30th Earth Year. You've been around the sun 30 times. I mean, how awesome is that? Look, I just think that, you know, the wireless, the radio, perhaps it's podcasts these days, but the reality of why we they're so vital because in our communities you can always have the radio. You know, I, I think, that, you know, you can make this argument that, that this might seem self-congratulatory, that there's something, dare I say, orgiastic about it. And I, I would say that absolutely if we don't take stock of what we have done or we let it pass without saying something... Um, we are denying what we have spent our lives doing. And that, to me, is, is, that's, that's soul-destroying. I want people to know what we've done and, and it's easy to kind of push us into the background and to define everything that we do as marginal or have done as, as, as marginal radio, that it's niche, it's whatever, whatever. Or it's um, even worse, it's, a, it's, um, it's something that... that, that the national broadcaster does to to tick a box. And I have never, ever been involved in any box-ticking exercise and I certainly don't think that what we do is is that. 
I just want to give a shout out to all the Black Fellows who've worked on this show over the years. There's been so many people who've made a contribution to this show for all the right reasons, you know, to, to privilege our voices, to tell our stories, to let our languages and our song and our performance and our worldview be heard by people here and overseas who listen. So thank you. Thank you, all of you. That was Lorena Allen. You also heard from Daniel Browning, Rhoda Roberts and Rudy Bremer, as well as excerpts from some of the incredible work featured on Away over the past three decades. The piece was produced and presented by Rudy Bremer alongside editor of ABC Indigenous Radio, Daniel Browning. You can catch Away on ABCRN every Saturday night from 6pm or Tuesday evenings after the news at 9. And like Speaking Out, you can also look for Away wherever you get your podcasts, including the ABC Listen app. That's the show for this week. Join us again next week when we bring you a focus on Indigenous child protection 15 years on from the national apology to the stolen generations. This episode of Speaking Out was produced by Jay McAllister and Manel Creed. You can email the program speakingout at abc.net.au and find us on social media via ABC Indigenous. I'm Larissa Berendt.